0: You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham, and it is Friday, TGIF, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. I'm going to do another podcast on my drive into work. Try and do this once or twice a week, just for efficiency purposes. Um, hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. By the way, this is uh, this has been fun to do, like a 15 minute podcast every single day, including weekends. And uh, you know, I'm looking at the downloads, and they're increasing all the time. So, thank you. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love it if you shared it with uh, with other people, other sports fans, um, even those that might hate to hear it because sometimes in sports, people love to hate things, and so. Even those who uh, have differing views from me sometimes can get a kick out of listening to me. I know that's the case for me with uh, with certain guys on TV, but anyway, if you enjoy it, please share it. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Sean Bingham. Let's dive into today, though. I uh, I was at the game last night between the Rockets and the Jazz. Had great seats, actually. I was on the eighth row. Really fun game, um, and a few takeaways from that game. One, the Rockets are they're, they're a great team. They, they can shoot the three. You know, Chris Paul's obviously a a guy who makes a huge impact on the court, makes others around him better, gets everybody involved. Uh, He had a monster night. He hits some shots that are just incredible shots. I mean, he he had this one where he's driving, driving the lane, does a little step back, gets into Rudy Gobert. So now he's got the best shot blocker in the NBA right up in his grill, got more than a foot foot height advantage and probably more than 18 inches overall reach advantage on him, and Chris Paul just does a little fadeaway right over the top and swish. I mean it was it was a shot that looked simple to the untrained eye, but to those of us that have, that have uh, played and followed basketball, you realize just how difficult of a, you know, 10-footer that was that he hit. Those are the types of things Chris Paul can do. That's my compliment to Chris Paul. My knock on Chris Paul, which I just got into a uh, little debate on Twitter with somebody about, is that the guy complains to the refs Nonstop. He, he he never stops chirping at the refs. He talks to the refs more than most teams combined talk to the refs. I mean, he's always complaining. He's always flopping. He's always got a scowl on his face. And on top of that, the guy hasn't been out of the second round of the playoffs ever. So be as talented as you want, but until you're a winner, you're not a winner. And so, uh, and winners are made in the playoffs. And so. Chris Paul, yes, he's a great talent. Yes, he's one of the best ever uh, point guards, one of the best point guards ever as far as talent level goes. But you have to win games. And I don't see, I'm not buying the Rockets. I'm absolutely not. Even watching them handle the Jazz pretty easily last night, I'm not buying the Rockets. And I'm not buying James Harden as MVP. Oh, my goodness. If that guy wins MVP, I'm going to be so upset. He's almost unwatchable. He is just flopping and trying to draw fouls and, He's more concerned about drawing a foul than he is just about playing basketball. There are things that him and Chris Paul does this a lot too, where I mean it's like it's like they'll hook their own arm into a defender and then act like they're going up for a shot just to draw some bogus foul. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's unwatchable basketball and I think it's ruining the game. I think that the refs it's and it's so obvious when it happens, I think that the refs need to be be calling offensive fouls on that. Or no calls. Teach these guys a lesson. Stop the flopping. James Harden lives for the flop. He lives for the foul line. I don't care what his stats are, I don't buy him. I do not see him as M as a true MVP, and I do not see him ever being the number one guy on a championship team. The Rockets are good this year. You know, I've been saying obviously Golden State is the is the best, even though the record says the Rockets are. And I'm looking at Rocket fans on Twitter, by the way, saying how, you know, look at all these stats from CP3, you know, he's, his, his player efficiency rating is through the roof, his, his plus minus is through the roof. Well, he's played eight games, you guys. He's played eight games with the Rockets. So let's not get ahead of ourselves just yet. Also, it's December, okay? It's not like we're, we're into April, March, May, June, okay? So let's just not get ahead of ourselves with, with all that talk. The the Golden State Warriors absolutely positively will not lose to the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. That will not happen unless there's a major injury to either Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. I'd even say that the Warriors could could lose someone like Draymond or Clay, one of them, and still beat the Rockets in a seven game series. And that's if the Rockets can even get to the to the the Hornets, I'm thinking of Chris Paul's old team, that's if they can even get to the Warriors, okay, like, it's it, it it's it's just very, uh, the, the fandom, I appreciate the fandom, I appreciate you loving your hometown team, I love the Jazz, but I'm a realist, like, you know, and I am a fan of sport first, and I'm a fan of teams second, I choose teams based on my love for the sport, not the other way around, I didn't become an NBA fan because I'm a team, uh, I'm a fan of the jazz. I became a jazz fan because I love basketball, I love the NBA. So I'm a fan of the sport first, so I am able to put my bias aside pretty well. Um, Sometimes the Redskins can be the exception to that because I just see it through rose-colored glasses all the time. But with the jazz, like, we've got a star in Donovan Mitchell, who I'm gonna talk about here in a minute, but beyond that, we don't have much hope to win a championship anytime in the foreseeable future. The NBA is set up to where big market teams uh, get all the best players. They get all the love. They, you know, get the most money uh, for endorsements and things like that for players. It's generally the, the cities that are the most attractive to players. And if you look at the history of the NBA, the NBA championships are won by big cities. Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami, Boston, Houston when they got their two when Jordan retired. You know, it's it's big cities, and so even Detroit's got a, got a few in the last thirty years. Big cities, and it's very difficult for, you know, San Antonio's even a lot bigger than Salt Lake, that's for sure. But uh, you know, it, it's difficult for small market teams to do it. And for whatever reason, I live in Utah. I love Utah, but for whatever reason, NBA free agents don't seem to want to come come here or stay here. Uh, when we when you lose a guy like Gordon Hayward, it's like, man. You know, like we can't, uh, we just can't seem to hold on to anybody. In this age of free agency, guys are bolting for, for bigger markets. And so I hope we can keep Donovan Mitchell for 10 years because I'd, I'd hate to see another guy leave after four or five because that's when stars really start to get made, is in years six, seven, eight, you know? So, um, but I'm a realist. So the, the reality about Houston is they're not going to beat Golden State in the playoffs. And I still think. There's plenty of time for teams like Minnesota and OKC to come together and gel with their new, you know, core guys, and pose a bigger threat to uh, Golden State than Houston does. Now the Thunder lost last night to the lowly Nets, and Paul George did not play. The game was in Mexico City, by the way, kind of cool. Um, Paul George did not play, but Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook combined to shoot. 10 of 47, which is, excuse me, 15 of 47, 15 of 47, which is outrageously bad, okay, outrageously bad, 10 of, 15 of 47 is less than 33%, um, it's probably even less than 30%, but, um, again, I'm driving, so this is all coming from memory, but I know it was 15 of 47, and that's bad, that's really bad, so, I'm still I'm still hopeful for them just because I made that prediction that Mello would kind of become a great number three and Westbrook and Paul George would be you know the Batman and Robin, but so far they can't seem to get above 500, and it is still early, but you know we're we're, we're 20 plus 25 games into the season. Um, I, I'm a little surprised they're not above 500. They were above 500 without without Paul George and Mello, so. That is an interesting thought. I, you know, I think they'll pull it together, but so far it's not looking like, uh, like they're a huge threat. But I do think they'll eventually get it. Okay, moving on. Um, big thing last night happened in the NFL. I had predicted the Saints would win uh, over the Falcons, and I still think they would have had they not lost Alvin Kamara early in the game. The guy only had a few touches, had twenty-seven yards on on four touches. Um, he had three three catches and one carry, and he left the game with a concussion. So keep him in the game, and they still nearly won. I mean, Drew Brees threw a pick late, minute 30 or so left, and throws a pick in the end zone. Great great interception, by the way, um, by uh, Deion Jones, but I think they win that game if Alvin Kamara plays. I, I, in fact, I feel very, very confident of that, but that shifted things. You know, injuries happen, and that shifted things in – uh, the NFC South, because now all of a sudden there's only a game separating Atlanta and New Orleans, and if Alvin Kamara has to miss next week, which luckily he's got 10 days to, to get better and pass concussion protocol, and he tweeted last night that he'd be ready, he'd be back at it next week, no problem. So, and I hope that he does uh, recover quickly. I hope that it's not, you know, anything significant, and concussions are just the worst, you know, and there's so many players complaining about these Thursday games. They asked Drew Brees last night after the game, is, is this uh, a product of, our thir- injuries a product of Thursday games? And he, I mean, he just as boldly as he could be said, it is 100% a product of Thursday games. You look at what guys' bodies have to go through in, in a game and then to have to turn around and play again four days later. Uh, Doug Baldwin has been on the record saying he thinks it should literally be illegal to have Thursday games. Um, You're seeing these injuries pile up on Thursday games with players. The Seahawks had a bunch. Richard Sherman went out with a season-ending injury. Now Alvin Kamara's got the concussion. And I'm telling you what, NFL, you lose when star players like Richard Sherman and Alvin Kamara are getting knocked out of games. The fans lose. Everybody loses. Obviously, those players lost. Richard Sherman just lost half a season. Alvin Kamara just got a concussion and is, you know, missed, missed a game. Maybe we'll miss another one. They lost. And I'm telling you, as a fan base, we're losing when we can't watch those guys play. So I get that it drives ratings on Thursday nights. I get that it brings in more revenue. I get that there's the deal with Amazon Prime and last year it was with Twitter and there's a bidding war over Thursday night football now. But if you're losing star players and you're seeing, you're seeing injuries pile up. Maybe you ought to change your strategy on the Thursday night game thing a little bit because it's getting out of control. Players hate it and you might want to listen to the players because they're your product. So that's my take on Thursday night football. I'm still saying the same to the favorites in the NFC because you know, Alvin Kamara didn't tear his ACL or anything. He got a concussion which is which is horrible. You never wish that on anybody. There are some really long-term brain effects that uh, that can happen with repeated concussions. So we wish him the best, but I think that he'll be back soon. And that the Saints will still be the favorite in the NFC. Last thing I want to touch on then I do got to go is um, the rookie of the year race. So Ben Simmons had a triple-double last night. Lonzo played decently well. Lakers beat the Sixers. So Lonzo, even though the guy can't shoot worth a lick, he still, he still is a pretty, pretty good player. I mean, he gets, gets a bunch of assists, good number of rebounds for a point guard. And, you know, he's scoring like eight or nine points a game to go with that. You could, you could argue he's in the rookie of the year race, um, largely because of his name. His name carries a lot of clout, a lot of attention. He's in a big market. You'd put him in there maybe as like the third candidate. The number two candidate, obviously Ben Simmons is the favorite. He had a triple double last night in the loss. Um, and he's kind of a rookie. He's kind of like a red shirt freshman, you know, like there's a difference between a true freshman and a red shirt freshman. And in the NBA, I mean, he's now had a year to be around. NBA locker rooms, NBA trainers, NBA coaching, NBA practices, um, but he's just a rookie now because this is his first time playing in games, um, so there is a difference, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about guys in that situation winning rookie of the year, but it is what it is, um, but the other guy is Donovan Mitchell. I would put Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz at number two. He, has, uh, he scored 41 points the other night, as we know. He's made more three-pointers through the first 25 games of a career than anyone in NBA history. Allen Iverson was on that list, by the way. Um, The guy can play. He's getting high praise uh, from guys all around the league, Boogie Cousins, Chris Paul. Uh, Everyone's saying he's the real deal. And having watched him in person a few times now uh, at the Utah Jazz, uh, Smart Home Arena, and then obviously on TV a bunch, the guy can play. He gets others involved. He's, He's becoming the clear leader on the Jazz, and he's only 25, 26 games into his rookie season. He's the clear best player on that team. And I think you're going to see his numbers and his confidence and his leadership role continue to rise throughout the remainder of this season. Whereas on 76ers team, Joel Embiid's the clear leader. You know Ben Simmons is is a great player, but Joel Embiid's their best player. And so I could see a, an argument start to shift from Ben Simmons to Donovan Mitchell for Rookie of the Year. Be a fun race to follow as we go down the to and get into the middle section of the season down the home stretch. That's it for today. I'm out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports.